Welcome again to the Bruins Benders Podcast. It is episode three, and I am your host, Maddie. And my co-host is a right shot defenseman with limited skills, Smitty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm not a defenseman. Come on. You know better than that. No, no, you're a, you're a center. I'm a right center shot center. And uh, but you know what? I could probably play defense better than Connor Clifton. So yes. if they want to plug me in yes. back there on the third pair, I could be equally as disastrous with Mike Riley as Connor Clifton was this evening. You, you, you could be. Uh, you could at least get in the way of people. I could get in the way, and I could fight about as well as Clifton fought tonight too, getting thrown around like a rag doll, and then. Uh, Falling on top of by uh, Eric Formanton there. Didn't, didn't that look like he never fought before in his life? He first of all he turned away and then he started the deer on the ice thing. He's obviously he he throws his weight around and and that's good in certain instances. But he has bad balance. Like he has bad balance on the ice when he skates. He's all over the fucking place. He has bad balance in when he fights. So uh, yeah, he looks like Bambi out there. So not yeah. not great. <laughs> No, not good at all. Uh, hey, follow us, follow us on the social medias. Uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Bruins Benders. And we've had some great interaction on, on social media, so we thank everyone. We thank everyone for listening to the first two episodes, which were a smashing success. And here we are, the Bruins with a two-in-one week since we had our last episode. And we'll go back to the Detroit game at home, where the Bruins went to 4-0 and at home on the season with a convincing five to one win and i have an apology to make yes you do this particular game yes you certainly do <laughs> i do because i had patrice bergeron as my third bender and a bender being someone who wasn't particularly good in the previous games uh, leading up to that episode and, and i was a little concerned about bergeron in his in his play and thinking that maybe age maybe thoughts of retirement creeping into his head you know, maybe just sort of declining a little. And then he comes out against Detroit and scores four goals. So that was thrown out the window abruptly. Well, you know I what, apologize. though? You know what, though? You're not the only, you're not the only one who uh, was worried about him. There was all the rage on the sports radio this week was how Bergeron was playing. And, you know, if he was too old, a lot of mileage, all that stuff. So you weren't the only one to uh, call him into question. And let me just say, I think you fueled him. I think he was listening to the podcast. I think you fueled him, and he went out and performed. He, he obviously listens, so yeah. we'll have to have him on mm-hmm. and talk about Maybe I can apologize to his face. You should, uh, yeah. Because that was a uh, tremendous, it was vintage Bergeron from the bumper position. Mm-hmm. Uh, three power play goals, uh, all assisted by Marchand. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I don't know if Detroit, does the Detroit White Wings have video <laughs> or <a> video room, <laughs> uh, but they may want to use it. Yeah. That's one thing you want to take away from the Bruins power play is Bergeron. And he had so much room. It was sort of ridiculous. I mean, obviously good plays by Marchand and, yeah. and good puck movement for sure but man alive he had a lot of room to score goals and he scored three of them on the power play and it got him it got him in in that line and the team going and there was no turning back i mean they thoroughly dominated detroit yeah i don't really have much to add about uh about the about the detroit game you know swayman obviously played pretty well i'll add that in not a ton to do but he made some uh he made some key stops and in in certain moments so uh you know add that in swayman played well at home too he did, and, and they had a 26-9 shot uh, advantage uh, after two. 
you know, Riley, Mike Riley. Yeah, shorthanded goal. How about that? Yeah, shorthanded goal for Riley. For a defenseman, shorthanded, getting up the the, ice. The breakaway rebound from a Lazar shot. Uh, Nice pass by Nosek. Yeah. Bring him. Out of position. And uh, up ice. (laughs) Right. Right. We'll talk about about Mike Riley out of position at a later time in this program. We will. Mike Riley and Connor Clifton, not positioning themselves particularly well but a five five to one win in a in a good win for them and of course that took them to four and oh at home then saturday at toronto was a real disappointment and i thought that you know they had beaten florida with that shootout win they had really dominated detroit you thought okay here's where the bruins going a little bit of a run starting to find their game and then the toronto game was just uh, an egg that was laid all over canada uh they lose five to two yeah i mean they they didn't play well they were very, very loose defensively. That's kind of the theme early in the season, I think, is the defense looks suspect. Mm-hmm. It really does. Outside of McAvoy, Grizzlick, and Carlo, not much good happening back there. Whoever they plug no. in. Forward, I thought, was a little better tonight, and maybe he just needs a little time to kind of settle in. I mean, he has two goals, so you can't right. crush the guy because... I mean, uh, I think Connor Ryan posted a uh, tweeted a list of guys who who forward has more goals than, and it was a who's who of of uh, top notch defensemen. So they were. He's not he's not all bad, but they're struggling a little bit in their own end, especially. They are, and they they this game they actually started off with a lead. They Taylor did. Hall tipped in a Bergeron shot. Yeah, and it was good to see Taylor Hall get on the you know get on the board, get a get a goal early, get a goal in the power play. But then, of course, then right afterwards, you know, it's it's Tavares with a tip in front that tied the game, and then it sort of went downhill from there. Austin Matthews with a couple of goals, yeah, a couple Meyer of power play goals. Yep. And you know what? The penalty killing for the Bruins, you know, we've mentioned this with Connor Ryan the last week, is hasn't been fantastic to say the least. And they've given up quick goals on the power play. You know, it's just it, it hasn't been consistent uh, with the penalty killing. And a lot of the penalties they take have been sort of dumb penalties. I mean, they, they had a couple of penalties tonight. McAvoy had to take because they turned the puck over. You know, he, he had to break up a breakaway tonight. You know, and there's, there's other penalties that just happen throughout the course of the game. And they seem to take some stupid ones. And then they always seem to give up that goal. You know, and sometimes it's pretty quickly. I feel like that's another thing early on in the season that you could really criticize about this team is other than the defense is, is the discipline, the penalties, the penalties have been killing them. They've been taking way, way too many. And tonight they took two offensive zone penalties. Hall took one. Stadnika took one. And Stadnika for a guy trying to make the team for trying to be an everyday regular in this lineup to take an offensive zone penalty late in the game with your team up one. I mean, you can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. No, no, you, you can't. And I and I and I want to talk about Slightly a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I just think the game just looks a little fast for him. I mean, there was a there was a point tonight in the first shift I think he had. He had the puck coming up past his own blue line into the neutral zone and waited, waited, waited. And then someone just lifted his stick from behind, and took the puck, and right. they were going the other way. And then there was another time where he was over in the in the on the wall, and, and Bruce Cassidy said that he put him on the wing because he thought he was a little heavier and had a little bit more muscle, and he could handle some battles along the wall. Well, tonight. In the very first period, the puck was just taken from him along the wall. He fell down. I mean, it just looks like he's just not up to speed with the game and, and not playing confidently. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll be honest, when he gets in there this year, he doesn't get a lot of ice time. No, he I mean, doesn't. It seems to be 
that Cassidy, for whatever reason, pulls the plug on him real early, real quickly. And he has just about every game he's been in there, I think. And tonight was no different. So it's hard, I know, to get a rhythm when that happens as a player. So I'll, I will say that for Sednika, but you have to be starting to get a little bit nervous about him and what potential he has. Yeah, I really feel like he needs to just spend kind of a full season in Providence and play in all situations and just gain his confidence and score 20, 25 goals, put up, you know, 70 points down there and, and have a good year and, and feel good about it. Put in the same work that he put in this offseason and then come back next year and, and try to make the team. You know, I, I, I just feel like you can't kind of try to shoehorn him into you know a third line right well he's not a right wing he's a center you can't put him in a third line right wing and expect him to dazzle like you put debrusque as a nhl talent and when he goes from left wing to right wing he looks lost so you can't do that with a with a guy who's trying to make his way in the league i I feel like anyway no and i agree and i think that's part of the you know the, the the decreased ice time during the game and also the up and down and and healthy scratch and all that it's sort of a roller coaster for him, and I'll and I'll give him that. And he seems to get you know pulled from the game pretty quickly. Yeah, but that first shift or two tonight wasn't very good. I mean, you could see it plain as day. And I don't know what it is about him, but of all people that they need to progress and to become a top six centerman, you know, a top two centerman on the team is is him. I mean, they need it pretty badly because they really have no plan if Bergeron were to retire this year or next. I mean, there's no plan to, for your first and second line centers. You really don't have one. Yeah, Bergeron so retires them. after yeah, this year. Screwed. They are screwed. Yeah. They're screwed. Screwed. I mean, right now they've got Charlie Coyle playing second line, which he really shouldn't be. He should be playing third line. I mean, he's adequate. In a, in a, in a best-case scenario, he's third line. Mm-hmm. So right now you have, you have no second-line center, and you may not have a first-line center next year, as early as next year, if not next. So it would behoove them <laughs> if that Jack Segnica was ready to go. And it, the days pass by, the less convinced I am that he could get there. And it's, it's getting a little scary now with, uh, with Stadnika. And I thought in the bubble, he showed some flashes. And I said, okay, he's progressing. He's, he's getting there. And since then it's been going the other way and it's getting a little scary. So uh, hopefully he'll, uh, you know, like you said, get get out of AHL. Just keep him down there two or three months. You got to determine whether or not he's like Keith O'Coin. He's going to score 700 AHL points, or is he going to be an NHL player? And you need him to be a top six, you know, a top two sentiment, uh, and you need that pretty quickly. So then tonight, it doesn't start well again. And some maybe some hangover from Saturday night where they didn't play well at all, and then they take a quick penalty. I mean, they gave up a goal at less than two minutes into the game. That was an awful yeah. turnover by a Hall. Terrible turnover. Hall was Hall. Hall was brutal in the first half of this game. As the second half of the second period and into the third period, even though he took the offensive zone penalty, I thought he was better. He was skating. Him and Smith seemed to develop a little bit of chemistry later in the game. Uh, they were, seemed to be getting some chances, so uh, that's encouraging. But, man, he was bad early on, and that pass was dreadful. Hope pass into the middle of the ice, uh, just awful. And late tonight, Cassidy actually put DeBrusco on that line, took Hall off of it, and after the game said that, you know, if you want to if you want to play late in the game, you have to make winning plays. And so that was a, you know, a direct, you know, sort of response to how Hall was playing. Yeah. And that Cassidy didn't have a lot of confidence in him. And so he had DeBrusco out there instead of Hall. And Hall, you know, look, Hall was a exciting 
pickup. He he did a lot of really good things in that run last year. Showed a lot of flashes of why he was a top pick in the in the NHL draft. But there has been some times in his career where he's fallen asleep or sort of cruised by and and hasn't brought it every night. And I just hope that this is not another one of those sequences where he got a contract now and now we're just going to kind of pace ourselves. Bruins don't need that. The Bruins need that second line to be an absolute factor. And he is the guy who leads the charge. And if he doesn't, then you're going to see more and more people get on him and question him again. And again, the track record is... You know, pretty good year and then not so good year and then, you know, a couple of weeks, pretty good weeks and then disappears. So this has been kind of the track record with him and I hope it's not happening again. But he has not come out extremely well here in the beginning part of the season. He just hasn't carried it over. And again, they need him to. He only got 11.25 of ice time tonight, so that speaks volumes. It it, it really does. I mean, that's really low. And again, Cassidy said outright that this is why we had DeBrusque in there. It's because we really flat out just couldn't trust Taylor Hall at the end of the game. But they did. I'll tell you what, the coil line I thought was pretty good tonight. And I thought there were times in this game where they kind of set the tone. And one of them was on a power play that they actually scored on. The one that hit Marshan in the chest and went in. They started that power play with the coil, coil and holla out there, and they actually moved the puck around and kept it in and had mm-hmm. some chances there and sort of set the tone for the power play. And then when the first unit hopped on, they scored pretty much immediately after that. Yeah. And I thought the coil line had some had a few instances like that at this game. I thought they were pretty. The coil himself was good, noticeable, and I thought that they were they had some momentum changing shifts. I thought. Yeah, and, and the DeBrus Hollas, Danica had a really good shift right after that power play goal by Marshawn, and then the Bergeron line came back out. It seemed like they were energized by the goal because from that point on, it seemed like the Bruins were a different team. It did, and they brought the physicality, and McAvoy was at front and center. I mean, he had three or four thunderous hits. He did. Lazar had a, Lazar had a big hit. Clifton was throwing his weight around. Uh, throwing his weight around out of position. He, he At one point, after Clifton and Riley were on the ice to give up the tying goal, both out of position, Clifton goes out of his way to throw a hit at the defensive blue line, steps up and throws the hit, but then gives up a two-on-one because he's out of position trying to throw a hit. So he drives me nuts. I mean, that's Cliffy hockey in a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> he put in the, in the game notes, we write some game notes. You put Clifton goes for a hit and gives up a two-on-one because he's a jackass. <laughs> well, yeah. That was, that was in the notes. <laughs> and also, right, 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 right before that, Riley and Clifton equals disaster. Two to yeah. two. That was the goal uh, to score. And that was that, uh, that was that goal from the half wall from, Zay- from Zaitsev that really should have been. That was the goal, right, that tied the game? Yeah. Two to two. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, a, that's a goal that Swayman, you think, should have. I don't know if it went six-hole somehow. There's a little bit of a screen. Yeah, I think there was a move. Screen. He looked a little short, a little small in his net. He kind of on his knees and kind of searching for it. I mean, that's a save you kind of want to have there. Yeah, you do. Uh, but Wayman was really good. Yeah, know, he was. He was huge late. He made a couple of really, really good saves late to preserve the win. So I thought Swayman overall was actually pretty good in this game. Twenty-five saves on twenty-seven shots. So he had a. He, you know, other than that one goal, I, I thought he had a good night. Trent Frederick took an absolute monster hit. Uh, he was looking to catch a puck. He was turned the other way. He turned around and, and just got flattened. 
yeah. and left the game second period. Didn't return. No, uh, yeah. He looked like he... Some sort of concussion. Yeah, he looked like he wasn't quite sure where he was when he got up yeah. from that one. Uh, hit. And like you said, you know, I've been on Frederick, and he's my whipping boy for sure, and he remains as such. But I thought there was a couple of times in early on in the game where his line played fairly well, did what they needed to do, but again, he doesn't offer much other than you know running around and, and making a hit here and there. When the puck's on his stick, nothing's going to happen. He's not a, any type of playmaker. He's not a great skater. And he took that wicked hit tonight, so it'll be interesting to see. You might see Coleman back in there. Yeah, I think you will probably. You know, Oscar Steen has, you know, in his last five games, is 5-5-10. Five, five and 10, Providence and playing extremely well. So I'd imagine you'd see him at some point. I like Steen a lot, honestly. I think he agitates. I think he hits. I think he has some offensive talent. I'd like to see him crack the lineup. Yeah, I, I would too. Absolutely. And, and look, they, they need some young guys, this next wave of young guys. They need a couple of those guys to pan out in some way. Either it's bottom six or mm-hmm. it's maybe by the grace of God, a second line winger or something in there because the last wave is teetering out and, uh, and yeah. this new wave of prospects needs to needs to come in pretty good because you know they've had to go by essentially bottom six forwards this offseason which kind of strapped them as far as the cap is concerned if, if they had minimum guys in there minimum contract guys in there that they developed and drafted they'd be in much better shape but they had to pay for the Eric Hollers and the Nick Polinos and mm-hmm. the in the Thomas Nosex, you know, and, and that's that's really not what you want to do. So it shrunk their cap pretty quickly. And, it, you know, they're looking for Nick Foligno to come back fairly soon, and hopefully he will. And I think he'll add, obviously, another dimension to that third line. Yeah, I think he's uh, supposed to be in Thursday. Well, that, that'd be good. That'll be a big test against uh, the Oilers on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Bruins win uh, tonight 3-2, to two, and Patrice Bergeron gets his fifth goal mm-hmm. since the last episode. A uh, little topper, a little game winner. Just to top me off, mm-hmm. and and he gets the game winner, so they win three to two, and they go to five and zero at home on the season, and are now six and four on the season with with the Oilers coming up, and then they have a back to back, I believe, right Saturday Sunday, and we'll talk about the uh, the road ahead later on. All right, so it's time for our seven chirps. This is when we have seven questions that we're going to banter about. And here's number one: How have the new additions performed during the first couple weeks of the season? Well. It's been mixed reviews, I would say. Let's start with the good. Thomas Nosek, for the most part, started out a little harder than he is now, but he's been a pretty good addition. I think he's been uh, very good. Say in that bottom. I think he's yeah. been very good. I, he I mean, as a bo- as a bottom six guy, he's been very good. He kills penalties. Uh, he's yeah. been good there. He's thrown his weight around. He's chipped in a little bit offensively. I mean, you, I don't think you can ask for much more than that, honestly. No, I, I, I don't think so either. I think that's kind of what they want. Again, you've mentioned it before. If Trent Frederick was Thomas Nosek, we wouldn't have any problem with Trent Frederick. None at all. <laughs> you know, that's that's kind of what he wants. To, that he needs to aspire to be. Mm-hmm. Nick Felino has been sort of an incomplete. He's been injured, and he's good in the room. And has some, he's had some good advantages. Since I mean, as a point, I think in what he's played two games. So I mean, that's played two games. Yeah, that's decent. But um, I mean, like you said, incomplete because he's injured. And then Derek Forbort, your buddy Forbort, yeah, with uh, with his second goal tonight, and he's been. You know, not great, but let's be honest. He's been put in that first pair. This is Don Sweeney's brainchild here, thinking that he could be someone that you could throw in the top pair and spell Matt Grizzlick occasionally. And I think he's been out of place some. That's part of it. And like you said earlier, just could be it's a point of just kind of getting adjusted. You know, yeah, he, he it might just the system. Yeah, new team, new system. It might take him a little bit. I'm willing to give him a little time. I mean, I know I've made him. 
uh, a bender before, but I'm willing to give him a little time because I was one of the people who was like, you know, not not a bad signing. I would have liked to have seen them do something else, honestly. Right, right. Yeah. You know, somebody with a little more of a track record. But I like the idea of getting a left shot guy that was a little bit bigger, a little bit physical, that could defend. So I'm all in for that stuff. So hopefully he can do those things. So far, yeah. he's been a positive offensively. Much better than sure. I thought offensively, two goals and assists. Yeah. I mean, I'll take that, sure. But yeah. defensively, little turnover prone so far. But the whole defense has been. So I don't know if that's right. just a him thing or a team thing right now. Bruce Cassidy, his system is, you know, move the puck forward, you know, make a play in your own end to get out of the zone. Less than Claude Julian was back and forth the D until you get it out and then and then go from there kind of thing. So they take more chances as a team in their own zone to try to make a play to get it out. Problem is, is that a couple of guys like Forbort probably aren't accustomed to that style or aren't, that doesn't play to their strengths. So that can lead to some turnovers and they've been sloppy at it. And even the forwards have been sloppy at the whole, you know, just making a play to get it out of your end. Right. The thing. And it's something with new people that Bruce Cassidy is going to have to keep hammering home because that's his style. That's what he wants to play. Like he wants to make a play in your own end and, and go. And sometimes they leave the puck behind or they make a, a pass that's not there or they throw it right in the middle. I feel like that he should try to play a little, more to his strengths. Like if your strength is is not jamming a 50-foot seam pass in there, just wow. reverse it or go D to D. It's not going to kill anybody if you go D to D. Make the smart play or the easy play or the safe play instead of trying to force something that you're not accustomed to doing, especially early on in the season. Like no one's going to fault you if you go D to D and, you know, instead of giving the puck to the other team. No one's going to be mad at you if you pass the puck to Mike Riley or Charlie McAvoy rather than giving the puck yeah. to the other team. <laughs> right. So, right. I, think, I think the point is not to give it to the other team. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe don't give it to the other team. Let's try that one for a little bit. Let's start out there. But I think that I think that as a team though, they seem to just be a little loose with it. They are the for sure. And it gets them into trouble because look, you don't have Tuka Rask back there to make a sparkling save. You know, you have a rookie goalie and you have another unproven goalie that you signed and some of those shots are going in. You know, it's it's one of those turn it over and bing bang and it's in. And you're not getting those ten bellers to try to you know help you dig yourself out and as much of, of a wrath that Tuka Ras has gotten over the years from from fans he's an elite goaltender that made a lot of elite saves and at times Swayman has done it probably more so than Almark but for the most part I mean you're asking a goalie that's not Tuka Rask back there to dig you out of a hole and to save the day. And that hasn't happened that much. So speaking you know, of this. speaking of Tuka Rask, this is chirp number two. Tuka was over at Warrior today working out or yesterday working out prior to the uh, team's practice. So yeah. does this does this mean anything yet? I think it has to mean something. I think it has to mean he's going to play. And he said he only wants to play in Boston. Yep. Why would he be there in November with the practice jersey on working out when and this is actually earlier than projected for him mm-hmm. to really be on the ice. Why would he be out there if he wasn't planning on coming back? And I think he's serious about it. And I also think he's going to play for peanuts. I think he's going to give it another year or two or whatever. Maybe just one more year. Who knows? Yeah, I think it's going to be like a Tim Wakefield, kind of like a year-to-year veteran minimum type of thing. Honestly, I yeah. do. I think it's going to be a short... They don't have the cap space to sign the guy. No. So it's got to have to be short money. They're not going to trade somebody out of here. 
Yeah, they, you know, they seem very confident that he's coming back, and he's confident he's coming back. And I really honestly believe, like you said, he's taking the minimum or a million bucks or whatever. I think it's going to be a prorated veteran minimum. He said he doesn't care about the money. Yeah. Got enough of it, you know, and I wonder, you know, as much grief as he got, and I give Tuco a lot of credit because he could have put his middle finger in the air and said, you know what, screw all you people. Mm-hmm. If I don't care about the money, then I'm just going to leave. And some people question, you know, loyalty and commitment and all these other things, leaving the bubble and being sick in the last game of the season when you need a win and all this stuff. Well, he's kind of proving you wrong a little bit that he's willing to come back after a pretty major labrum surgery in his hip. Same one that really that Tim Thomas kind of had. And then Tim Thomas had a great season the following year. So I think Tuka's is going to be back. I think Swayman will probably move down unless he's absolutely stands on his head. But Elmark has been signed four years, five million. He's he's on the roster. So I think you'll see Swayman, you know, move down and, and you'll see Tuka slide in there January, February, whatever it is. And it'll be a big boost. It'll certainly help my concerns because I'm a little bit concerned about the goaltending still as the year goes on and the playoffs come around. So I think it's a good thing for the Bruins to have him. And I know people will scoff at it and say, I wish he would stay. But I'll tell you what, I'm starting to even more realize just how good Tuka Rask was when you see the goaltending play at times this season already. A good thing for sure. So number three, and we talked about this for a bit, but what do you make of Jack Stanika? Is he a bust? And I'll tell you, every day that goes by, I just think that more and more, you just wonder if a kid is ever going to get it, you know, and it's been a few years now. Like it's just seems like, you know, if you could play, we'd see it by now kind of thing. And I just, uh, I'm a little, I'm, I'm even more concerned. I'm not a little concerned. I'm really concerned because that's the one position they need. I think it's still too early. I think it's still too early to call him a bust. Like I said, he needs to go down to Providence. He needs to get his confidence. He put on weight this year. He took the offseason seriously. He needs to go down there, play well, do the offseason again the same way, take it seriously, and then try to make the team. If next year he hasn't become a regular on the team, then you can push the panic button for sure. Okay. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you on this one. I appreciate that. I just, holy smoke. Like, I just, I don't know. I just wonder what are they going to do at the center position? What are they going to do? Because they don't, I mean, obviously Bergeron, if he would retire, his almost 7 million comes off the books or whatever. That's good, I guess. And that's money you could spend. But man, if you lose David Krejci one year and then Patrice Berger on the next and you have no backup plan, I mean, what are you going to do? They're, they're fucked, basically. I mean, they, they're screwed. They don't have it. They don't have anything in the pipeline. So you can't expect, even if even if next year Stadnik is on the team and he's, and he's a regular, he's not going to fill that role. He's not going to no. be Patrice Bergeron no, or no. David Krejci. So no. he's going to be maybe a second line center that, Maybe puts up 40 points. Or, he's going to be Charlie Coyle. Yeah, yeah he's going to be a poor man's Charlie Coyle because he can't hold puck possession like Coyle can. Right. So he's going to be like a third-line center that, if you're lucky, is you know 40 points. So, right. yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble if, if uh, Bergeron retires. The guys that you would want, like Barkov and whatever, have signed extensions. Like, the teams want to be strong up the middle. Centers aren't available usually. No, they aren't. And, again, I hate to keep harping on it, but the 2015 draft is killing you in 2021 and beyond. Jesus, you could have had, look at Thomas Shabbat. He's number one in the league in average ice time. He plays 27 plus minutes per game. 27 plus minutes per game. He's more than Charlie McAvoy does. And he is a stud. And you could have had him. Of course, Matt Barzal. Could have had him. Could have had Kyle Connor. 
could have had, you know, Besser. You could have had a multitude of guys from that draft. And you ended up with Sinitian, who's on the witness protection program, and Jakobs Borrell, who's his roommate. So there you go. Again, you had three picks. And then, of course, Jake DeBrusque, who he's been okay. I mean, he's, I guess, a core guy. But, boy, he's been inconsistent, and he's been declining already. Boy, that's that's the thing that really killed you. And then Trent Frederick taking him in the first round. Well, the drafting is a whole nother thing. You, we could talk about the draft forever, but... So, chirp number four. What do we make of the Bruins' five-on-five struggles the last few years? Yeah, see, this is concerning because still, even now, they're scoring power play goals, and they just aren't scoring a ton of five-on-five goals, and especially after the top line. And a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, the perfection line was like the top five-on-five line in the league. Since then, they have declined five-on-five, and the rest of the team has declined five-on-five. And I'm not sure exactly what the issue is, but their five-on-five concerns me because obviously in the postseason, you get less penalties and you have to score five-on-five, and they just haven't been very, very good, even strength. That's really where it's going to show up is in the playoffs because in the regular season, yeah, you'll get power plays and they have a lot of talent on that first power play. So they're going to score plenty of goals. You know, Pasternak's going to get his and, and Marshand and Bergeron from the bumper and McVoy will get his points and Taylor Hall maybe even will get some points. But once the playoffs come, you need to get to the dirty areas. You need to score rebound goals. You need to uh, score dirty goals. Like you don't see a ton of those from the Bruins. You really don't. You don't. And And that's that's what the problem is. Ottawa's first goal was a turnover, a shot. Another guy's in front, gets kicked over, and a guy buries a rebound. The Bruins aren't doing that. So that's how you score five-on-five goals. You get the puck to the net, you create a rebound, and you out-battle somebody for the puck, and you put it in the net. We put a poll out during tonight's game because they were having a little trouble early early in the game. Will anyone on the Bruins win a puck battle besides Brad Marchand? <laughs> yes, no, or Bergeron can too. Bergeron can too, one. But no was Almost as much as Bergeron can too. And it's true. I mean, you mentioned Coyle. I mean, Coyle can possess it. But as far as winning battles and getting to the front of that, you're right. And I even thought of that. There was a segment. I don't know if it was a third period where there was a shot on that. A couple, you know, they had a couple opportunities. And then there was no one there. The puck trickles to the side of the net. No one there. And I was like, do they ever get rebound goals? Like, it just seems as though they never get rebound goals. And it's very true. And I think that's a big part of it. And, And Cassidy even mentioned this toward the end of last year was, we're not getting enough traffic in front of the net. We need to get to the greasy areas. And he was talking about, I think he was talking about DeBrusque too, because DeBrusque needs to get those types of goals too. And he hasn't been, but they don't, they don't really get a lot of traffic in front of there. You know, they play like the third guy high and everything. And, but if you look at their top line, it's Parsonak and Marchand and Bergeron. I mean, Marchand will stick his nose in there and, and Bergeron will too, but Parsonak doesn't. And then you get Hall and Coyle and Smith and they just aren't structured to do it or they just won't do it or what it is. But I think that's a big part of their five on five struggles. And in 2011, when they won the cup, they were the best five on five team in the league. So you can measure your team largely. And I would guarantee you that a lot of the last, say, five or six Stanley Cup winners, maybe even 10 Stanley Cup winners, if you look at their five on five stats, I bet they're all in the top 10 in the league. But they all are because that's how you score your goals. And that's how that's how you win big games. That's how you win the championship. So that's still a concern to me because it almost seems like when they win games like tonight or like the other night against Detroit, it's still kind of hollow because they don't score a five on five very much. 
Uh, all right, number five, is Matt Grizzlick being exposed with increased playing time, and what do they do with the top pair? Go out and make $7 million defense in. That's what they do. Yeah, I feel like they need to try to address that maybe at the trade deadline. Uh, I think I like Grizzlick, and I like his the Corsi numbers and all that bullshit. I think he's good on the top pair. I think he's good with McAvoy. I think they carry the play usually. I think he can get exposed in his own zone a little bit. He defends positionally pretty well, but he still can get, you know, boxed out in front of the net, taken advantage of because, you know, he's a smaller guy trying to cover a bigger guy. I mean, there are guys who can possess the puck against him and make plays. So ideally, he's not your top pair guy. For this team, he is, unless you do something different or right. get something he different. He, he, and I agree with that. I, I agree with all that. I, I think he's a good player. He's, you know, in the last couple of years, Chris like never really got much grief from fans. I mean, I think largely fans respected the way he played and, and liked him and, and thought he was a good player. But this year, I see a lot of Grizzlick hate, a lot more than years past. He had some difficulties in the postseason last year. He, you know, he's had a couple of gaffes this year that cost him. But largely, he's a, probably the best skater on the team, you know, as far as the, the whole body of skating. He's a tremendous skater. He's a decent offensive defenseman. He'll make the right play. He'll move the puck correctly. He'll get shots on net. He does get boxed out. He has some of the similar problems that Tory Krug had in front of the net. If you really grind on him, he's going to wear down. My concerns has always been increased ice time in 82-game season into the playoffs with the wear and tear in his body because he's very small. I mean, I met him in person. He's he, he literally, if he's 165 pounds, then I, I would not be surprised. I mean, he's just not that big of a guy. So I think, you know, Forbort was a guy they brought in that, that maybe they could mix and match and give him some time and then Grizzlick some time and take some of the pressure off Grizzlick. I'm not sure that experiment is going to work very much. And Mike Riley can't be up there, for God's sakes. Now, what do you have? And like you said, they'd have to make a real hockey trade. Because they'd have to take someone off the roster because they don't have much really to offer, I don't think, to make a real hockey trade at the deadline because they'd have to move some salary too. So I, I think this is what you get, to be honest. They make it another journeyman, Jerry Tenorti guy in there. But I think this is what you got. Can't wait. The rest of the year. It's not appetizing. It's not something that I that I go around smiling and telling the neighbors about. But no, that's, uh, that's not very good. So hey, number six, what happened to Craig Smith? Craig Smith was injured. And hasn't been playing well before that. Was injured, came back, didn't really play well. I thought tonight he had a little bit of jump. He didn't show up as turning the puck over early in the game. So that's a good thing because everybody else on the fucking team was turning it over. And then I saw, I thought he had some chemistry with Hall late. They generated some chances. I thought he was in on the forecheck. He was physical. So maybe it just is him coming off the injury, taking a little time to find his game, kind of trying to mesh with Coyle, new sentiment. I mean, Krejci knew how to get Smith the puck in, in shooting shooting areas. So, you know, that's a right. little bit different. Coyle is more of a puck possession, down low cycle, whereas Krejci right. would, you know, pull up and look to make plays. So all those factors kind of rolled into one. Hopefully, he and Coyle and Hall can develop some chemistry. I think maybe Hall might be the trigger man more than Coyle with setting Smith up for his shooting. I think Hall is really the one who needs to kind of drive that line. He's got paid the money. He's got to be the one who makes that line go. I feel like somebody needs to get to him and be like, hey, you're the guy on that line. You are the one. You don't have to deal with the first pair defense because they're all on Marshand. You're the one who has to drive that second line. Like, make it happen. I, I think you're right. I think the playmaking ability of the center iceman could be part of the issue 
with the lack of scoring, especially five on five. I think that's a good point. But I just keep thinking back to that Buffalo game where when Craig Smith was on the ice five on five for like seven and a half minutes, Buffalo outshot Boston twenty four to one. It's one of the most staggering stats I've seen in a long time. Holy smokes. I agree. That was bad. So hopefully, and Smith loves to shoot the puck, so hopefully he gets one or two and it gets him going. And at number seven, did we jump the gun on Jake DeBrus' resurgence? He's been a zero the last six games. He has been, but I I feel like he's been good still. I feel like he's been getting chances. I feel like he's, you know, he's on the penalty kill now. He blocked a shot, sprung for a breakaway the other day, just couldn't finish. If he keeps getting his chances, he'll, he's going to bury some. So I still like your your prediction early in the season of uh, third line Jake DeBrus getting 25 goals. I don't think it's going to be 25, but I think it's going to be in the 22-25 range. Okay. I would welcome that with open arms. And I and I see it too. I, you know, Jake, I mean, tonight Cassidy played him over Hall. He's doing what Cassidy wants him to do. And, and he would figure Jake is one of those streaky scorers. He keeps playing this way. He'll knock in four or five in a couple of weeks and, and, and climb the charts, or he has in the past anyway. I just hope that the lack of production doesn't cause him to start skating around again. And, and then we have a problem. And then people are saying, how come Jake DeBrusque has two goals in January? And then people are starting to say the same things about DeBrusque because he has been sort of fragile when it comes to confidence. I think when Felino comes back, I think that will help him too because I, I think yeah. Felino is good for that line. He's He can't really lead as well, obviously, when you're hurt. So I think his voice in the in the dressing room and on that line with Jake will will certainly help. All right, it is time now to check on our whipping boys. So it is uh, Trent Frederick for me, and he was injured tonight after a brutal hit from Josh Brown center just around center ice looked like he was concussed in some fashion and Cassidy did not have a report after the game but I'm sure tomorrow we'll hear something about Frederick and I'm sure he'll miss some time now he's he's a weird fan favorite and I don't know why it bugs me so much but it does I just don't think he's an NHL hockey, NHL hockey player I just don't think he's an NHL player and for what he is willing to bring I think it's valuable I just don't think he brings it to the level people think he does. And he just, at this point in the National Hockey League, you have to bring more than just willing to fight a guy or willing to throw your body around. You have to be able to skate. You have to be able to do something offensively. You have to be, you'd like your bottom six guys to be able to kill penalties. You know, do something else. And he doesn't really do all that much. So I think that his time as an NHL player, at least in Boston, is going to be quicker than people think. He may get through this season, but beyond. They may be moving on from Trent Frederick at some point. He's not really doing all that much, and now he's going to be out for a while. So he remains my whipping boy. Yeah, I mean, he has, he has one point in nine games. And he was, yeah. he was hurt tonight. Fighting's down in the league. You, you, you can't survive in the league as just a fighter unless you're an intimidator. You know, Orion Reeves. He can last in the league. Even, you can't even be a Sean Thornton anymore because he, he couldn't go around with one hand on the stick just intimidating and barking at guys and, and throwing a hit and getting in front of the net maybe occasionally, you know, and missing the net. Sean Thornton would have a hard time in this league. He would. I love Sean. Love what he brought. But right now, he'd have a hard time. He does Frederick's role better than Frederick does. Of course he did. <laughs> and Thornton wouldn't even be good enough. Uh, so my whipping boy is Connor Clifton. He was minus one tonight. He was brutal in his own zone. He lost a fight. He Badly. went out of position 
multiple times. He threw his body around, which everybody will love. Cliffy Hockey throwing his weight around. But when he throws his weight around and then gives up a two-on-one in a tie game after he just was on the ice for the goal against to make it 2-2, he had 18 fucking minutes of ice time. 18 minutes. 18. How does he play more than Brandon Carlo? I don't know. Fucking infuriating. Get him off the ice. I don't know. Off the ice. And I don't know if, it, if Cassidy's falling in love with the Cliffy Hockey thing or if they're seeing something we aren't. But my God almighty, he is he is a nightmare at times. And especially when you throw Riley out there, who's not very good in his own ends. I mean, the two of them are just... I mean, Riley's a better offensive player. I mean, he, he gives you something offensively. But for God's sakes, two of them in their own ends is like Keystone Cops. It's like, you know, their pants are on fire. It's just awful. I put this in the game notes, too. You can't put two guys in the ice at the same time on defense that don't play well positionally, that drift. Both him and Riley drift. So they're not where they should be. And then the puck turns over or whatever. He's not a good skater. Two or three times they passed wide to a guy who was even or a few strides in front of Clifton. And by the time Clifton pivoted, the guy was by him. And a few times, like, he made a good defensive play to recover. But... Yeah. He's by him. I mean, if that's Connor McDavid, he walks in. And this will probably happen on Thursday night. <laughs> Pass wide, and he's going to walk by Clifton and score. Because it's yeah. Connor McDavid, not fucking Trent Worthington or some asshole. Who, I mean, I'm making the guy's name up. It's some random jackass from Ottawa. Yeah, Eric Formington. Doesn't matter. Chris Tierney. Whatever. About, Pick a name. How about tonight? Uh, Jack Edwards said there was a Chris Paul playing out there. <laughs> yeah, Drew Batherson. They have all these guys. <laughs> Batherson, Formington. And did you, did you see they had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Joe Sokolov and affiliates out there too. Yeah, so, yeah so he kept saying Sokolov. Yeah. I was thinking Jim Sokolov and, and associates. <laughs> right. That Wigington, Wormington, <laughs> Formington. Formington. Sounds like, is that, the, is that the Tampa Bay Rays outfield? I don't even know what the hell that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Time for beauties and benders. So, Smitty, who are your beauties this week? My beauties this week. Number yeah. three, I had Jeremy Swayman. Sway was 2-0 and all this week. Beat Detroit on Thursday. And then uh, one against Ottawa on Tuesday. Good in both games. Uh, so, Swayman, number three. Number two, Brad Marchand. Pretty easy. He's racking the points up. He's all over the place. He had goal Tuesday night. He's been assisted on all of uh, Bergeron's goals the other night. And then number one, you have to you have to go with Patrice. I mean, five goals in the week, a four goal game. That's pretty good. I mean, a four goal game and the game winner tonight. That's, right. that's great. Yeah. I had, you know what, number three, I had Mike Riley in there. He scored his first goal. And I think that Riley, you know, has shown some signs. That he's, he plays well at times and other times. <laughs> <laughs> he skates on his own end like a chicken with his head cut he off. He does. But I think that Riley, this these past three games, tonight he had some rushes and some he did. his own time with Buck that was pretty good. And he could do some things offensively. And that's what endeared him to Bruins fans when he first came over. I was like, wow, this guy can really you know, move the puck and you know really looks fluid out there offensively. And he's definitely different with the puck than he is without the puck. Oh, yeah. Sure. Definitely. Uh, so I had Mike Riley there, and then I had your, your same, too. I had Marchand at two. I think he's been the most consistent player for the last couple of years, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's the most dependable player on the team. He's the best player on the team, in my opinion. I mean, he's the best player. 
and uh, he he's done it consistently throughout the first 10 games here. And then Patrice Bergeron, I'll have to give it to him after, after I questioned him. He uh, he responded, and that's what you want, you know, from your club. You want guys who respond to some criticism. And he had five goals, and uh, he's back to being Patrice Bergeron, which is nice to see. All right, so Spinny's benders. My benders uh, this week. Number three, Eric Halla. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. And I hate to do it. Uh, he was good tonight on faceoffs. He's been overall pretty dependable defensively, but he has no points. One point in nine games. Uh, yeah, maybe one point. And yeah, he's snake bit. I mean, we had a poll. I mean, we can talk about it later because I think we might go over the results, but he's got a jinx or a hex or something on him. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. So Eric Hall, number three. Uh, number two, Connor Clifton, because. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Connor Clifton's doing Connor Clifton things. And then number one, I have Taylor Hall. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. He's got to be better. He's got to be better. Uh, That turnover tonight was careless and awful. I could have made that pass. I probably would have made that pass. He's got to be better than that. He's supposed to be the one, like I said, who drives a play on the second line. And he can't be making those kind of mistakes, especially to put your team behind so early on. So, yeah, Taylor Hall. All right, so my benders, I had number three. I had Taylor Hall at three. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. And if some of the same reasons, you know, the team committed to you now. They gave you the contract, committed to the term of the contract. Now it's time for you to take the next step with the, with the club. You had a pretty good start with the team. And now this beginning of the season here just hasn't been all that great. He didn't have that goal uh, in Toronto uh, on a deflection, which you like to see. I mean, I'd like to see him get more of those types of goals because that would help him out. That would increase his goal production for sure. Uh, but like you, he just seems to disappear sometimes, you know, just kind of skate around sometimes. Then he tries to go one-on-one a little bit too much here and there, gets a little careless with the puck and, you know, turns it over like he did tonight. So uh, I'm with you. He he has to be a lot better. They need him to be. He did have assists tonight, though, so we'll give him that. But but he needs to be really good, and he yeah. just hasn't been really good. Uh, number two, uh, you know, Craig Smith. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Still trying to work out whatever he's trying to work out. He was, he was injured. Maybe he's still dealing with some of that, but he has not done much of anything. Tonight, he was a little bit better with that line. He did have a little bit of chemistry with Hall later in the game. But again, he's a shooter, and he needs to, you know, shoot the puck and get it on net. Uh, he hasn't really done all that much. And, and in fact, he's been a liability for much of the beginning of the season. So I have Smith at two, and then number one is, is Trent Frederick. Face it. You're a Neo Maxi Zoom dweeby. Now uh, out for a few after getting blitzed tonight by Josh Brown. Uh, Frederick, I don't think is an NHL hockey player. And he's my whipping boy and he's my number one bender because he is a legitimate bender. And I hate to say it because I'm sure Trent's a wonderful human being. But uh, he's not an NHL hockey player. And I don't care. All these people clamoring. You wouldn't believe tonight. <laughs> before the game. Before the game. Where's Coleman? Gets, you know, like a Streisaitl. Where's Coleman tonight? Why? Why? Why do you need Carson Coleman? Tell me. Give me five reasons why you need Carson Coleman. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have had Carson Coleman out there tonight or Trent Frederick? Well, there you go. I, I'd probably rather have Coleman out there with, uh, who was it, Nosek and Lazar? Was it Nosek and Lazar? Yeah, it was. Uh, with Coleman? Yeah, because I think Lazar and Nosek play hard. You know, they, they play hard. Yep. You know, they, they try to play the right way. Mm-hmm. Lazar won't give you a ton of offensive production, but, I mean, you'll notice him out there. Yep. Nosek's the same way. He'll penalty. So throwing Coleman out there with his speed, which is the only thing he has, is skating fast 
straight ahead is the only thing he has, but it's better than Frederick because he can't skate at all. So I think the lesser of two evils definitely is Coleman there. So I get that. But those are the same people who, who think Freddie should be, you know, playing every night. I agree with that. Yeah. I would definitely would rather have Coleman in there. Definitely rather have Coleman in yeah. there. And you know what? Now you have your wish, I think, because I don't think Freddie should be out there for that. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we wish him well. All right. So the top seven power rankings. So now number seven. New York Rangers stay in. Yep, uh, slide they, down a spot. Yeah, they, they slid down. St. Louis Blues at six. They, they slide, slide down, down a spot. And then number five, a new entry, the Minnesota Wild. I'm not sure I can name three guys on the team, but they've won three in a row, and they slide into number five. They're in first place in the, uh, well, Saint, I guess St. Louis is in first, but Minnesota's in second, eight and three. So the Wild are in there. Okay. Uh, number four, Calgary slid down the spot. They had been on a six-game winning streak. You know, I was looking today at points, I think it was, in the last five seasons. It was the usual suspects. The one guy who was in there at, I think, 13th was Johnny Goudreau. He has like 300 points. And I know he's a good player, and obviously he's a, he's a BC guy. And he was up there 13th in the last five years. I mean, I didn't think, think he was that high to charts, but he's obviously probably their best player in Calgary. Edmonton, they will face uh, the Bruins on Thursday night. So they gained a spot up to number three. They're very good. You know, they probably have the two best players in the league in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Certainly two guys who have scored the most points in the league the last couple of years. They're a definite powerhouse in the Bruins defense scares the living daylights against a team like the Oilers. Oh, tell you what, with their, uh, the Bruins penalty situation early in the season here and the oil is hitting at about 50 percent on the power play i mean that's not a great recipe thursday night no. i mean the oilers could put up seven or eight easily they could that's what i'm saying I, this could be one of those seven to five games i don't know if we're getting five <laughs> right unless we get some power play time but yeah. i'm not getting a five or five number two carolina dropped a spot because florida jumped into the number one spot they are the top in the bruins benders top seven power rankings Florida Panthers, best team in the NHL right now, as far as we are concerned, and we know it all. Bottom three. Number 32, the Montreal Canadiens return to the bottom spot. They stink. They are awful. They are 3-10. and 10. They've lost yes. three in a row. They have a minus 20 goal differential. They're two and five at home. Two, five, and one at home. That never used to happen. Oh, oh God. God. Never yeah. used to happen. So, uh, yeah, Montreal 32. Uh, screw the Habs. 31 is Arizona because they are absolutely dreadful. They are 1-10 with a minus 30 goal differential. They've scored 19 wow. goals in 12 games. That's unbelievable. 19 That's goals in 12 games. That's like That's one awesome. and change goals a game. Terrible. And then... Who, uh, I mean, who's even on that top line? I mean, do you even know who plays for Arizona right now? Uh, I'm going to go, go Clayton Keller. Okay, Clayton Keller, yeah. And is Phil Kessel still in Arizona? Yeah, I think Kessel is. Yeah. Okay. Keller, Kessel... And, and Shane Doan. <laughs> I don't I have no idea. <laughs> they probably wish Shane, Shane Doan was still yeah. on the top line. And then your Chicago Blackhawks coming in at uh, 30th because yeah, they're bad too. They really are. Dumpster fire. So week ahead, talked about the Edmonton Oilers coming in on Thursday night. And then they do have a back-to-back. -back. Yeah, yes. so Saturday they have the Doubles and then Sunday against Montreal. Yeah, so Saturday matinee on the 13th at New Jersey. And then coming back home to face Montreal on the 14th at 7 on Sunday night. So this is a three games in four days. This is the schedule maker getting back at them after giving them you know, large portions of time off. 
Yeah, I really feel like they should go two and one in this. I do in too. this little stretch here. I feel like they'll probably go one and two because they tend to lose to Jersey for no apparent reason whatsoever. Miles Wood usually kills them. Miles Wood is injured, so maybe. Just maybe Bruins can yeah. squeak out a win. Is that the goalie's name? Mackenzie Blackwood. Mackenzie Blackwood. Right. There yeah, you go. McKen- he usually gives the Bruins fits. So they should beat the Devils. They should beat Montreal, but they probably won't. So I'm hoping for a 2-1-1. Uh, I think Edmonton's going to beat them. Yeah. The Bruins defense just can't keep up with that kind of firepower, I don't feel like. Right now, while they're still trying to find the game, the Devils and the Canadians, they should win. We'll see how that goes. So you're probably going to get Allmark, Swayman Allmark. So you get Allmark against the Oilers and the Canadians. The Canadians don't score many goals either. But again, rivalry game. Montreal and it's coming second game of a back-to-back so that's no guarantee either as bad as Montreal's been yeah this could be one of those weeks where you could go 0-3 if you don't show up and you shouldn't and that could be back-breaking but again if you can somehow beat Edmonton you have a real chance to go 3-0 this week uh, and really get yourself to you know 9-4 and and that would be advantageous for them for sure all right Bender's poll so we had you mentioned the poll with Marchand being the only guy who can win a puck battle we had the Eric Haller the Eric Hall of the Eric Hall poll was will Eric Halla ever score a goal again? Yes, no, he's jinxed, or click here to break the jinx. And uh, okay, so I have it here. So no, and click here to remove jinx. We're tied at 37% apiece, <laughs> 46 votes. Yes, with 17%. So he will score a goal, and he's jinxed is 9%. So 37% of people think he will never score a goal again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go, Eric Holla. Thirty-seven percent also want to help him score, and they want to remove the jinx. So that's nice. I also had a poll I put out before the game: who would score the first Boston Bruins goal? Twenty-five percent had it correct. We had thirty-two votes. Twenty-five percent had Brad Marchand getting uh, getting the goal, and he did off his chest and in. Very nice. Boston Arch. Thirty-one percent had other, and it wasn't Eric Holler, evidently, because thirty-seven percent can never score again. <laughs> So those those are our polls for this week. Uh, and we appreciate everybody getting on the poll. And we've had a lot of great Twitter interaction. Social media will continue to do so. And in fact, I think, I think I'd like to do, this is just spitballing, brainstorming. I'd like to see if we can get people to come up with the seven chirps for us. Might be a good little interaction. I, I think so. I would love for people to ask us questions and we'll... Uh... Or chirp at us. Even like a hockey chirp. Like, you guys can't skate. You're benders. You suck. You know, whatever. Chirp at us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Send us an email. Whatever. Send us yeah. a message attached to the uh, to the old podcast. Whatever. Please uh, check out our Twitter page during the games. Many sends out some really nice little recap, little uh, updates. Yeah, we're doing kind of the game tweeting as the yeah. game's going on. We're in the moment tweeting out tonight. Oh during the game after that first period. I wasn't planning on drinking tonight, but I had to <laughs> after watching that first period. Somebody actually brought this up. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, somebody on Twitter or Jaffe or somebody during the break, but was that the Bruins' worst period of the year? And I think it might have been. Might have been. It really might have been. It was bad. I mean, I think there was a period there, maybe the game at Florida, the game at Carolina, but at least we're putting on some pressure in those games. They didn't score very much. But that may have been the worst undisciplined. And you know what? Ottawa's coming in with COVID issues and somewhat shorthanded. And Ottawa just came out blazing. Like, they came out like they were ready to win the game. A ton of credit to Ottawa because you can definitely fold the tents in. But they came out like they were expecting to win. And and all credit goes to them because they really put it on the Bruins early on. 
and forced them to find their game. Like you said, you mentioned it a couple of times on Twitter. Bruins need to find their game. Come on now. And they finally did, evidently. And thankfully, they get the win. Did want to mention that Thursday night's game against Edmonton is Colby Cave night. So that'll be really nice to honor Colby Cave. Passed away tragically and very young. Uh, former Bruin and Oiler. Yes, he was an Oiler too. Yeah, That'll be a nice touch. It'll be nice of the Bruins and Oilers to uh, to honor him just as the Bruins and um, Florida, right? Did it for Jimmy, yeah. And we wanted to say congratulations, Bruce Cassidy. You got his 200th win as a Bruins coach tonight. 200 wins. And he, you know, Tom Caron actually tweeted out that he was probably the most underappreciated coach. And, and I would probably say that's true. He's been really good, you know, with the Bruins. And he's done a really good job, you know, with the Bruins. And, you know, he was a different coach than Claude Julian. And the, it was well received by the players back then. And he's, you know, he's done a really, really fine job with them. And, and he's really good in the press conferences. He's kind of tell it like it is. And he's fun. He's good to listen to. And he really doesn't sugarcoat much. He doesn't really hold much back, which is refreshing compared to some of the other coaches. And I think Bruce has done a pretty good job. Yeah, so it's good to see him get 200 wins. And then finally... We're going to do a little a little something. And it was your idea, Smitty, so you can go ahead and talk about it. Okay, I appreciate that. So uh, I was browsing Twitter, and, and we have uh, friends all over Twitter that have podcasts. And I believe it was the Broadway Blue Shirts podcast I had seen a tweet from asking people to rate and review their podcast. And for every rate and review, they would give some money to charity. So I thought, hey, we should do that. That's a hell of an idea. Hell of an idea. All our Bruins Bender podcast fans... Bruins Benders podcast fans. What we'd like you to do is rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you do that, we will donate a dollar for every rate and review to the Boston Bruins Foundation. You know, whatever their charitable endeavors are, we will we will donate. So get out there and rate and review the podcast and we will donate money to charity. So you get to feel good about yourselves. We get to feel good that you're listening to us and uh, the charity gets to feel good because they get some of our money. And as Bruins fans, we will support the Bruins Foundation and we'll send some money for each rate and review. If you don't typically listen on Apple Podcasts, just download the Apple Podcast app, find the Bruins Benders podcast and go down about halfway down and click rate and review hit five stars if you if you if you review us at one star we're not gonna we're gonna bill you yeah money just if you rate us one star you have to venmo us a dollar and then we'll send it in (laughs) yes we will do that go ahead and rate review us uh stick a little review in there yeah just tell us who your favorite brewing player is or whatever it doesn't matter say that you like the podcast say you hate the podcast doesn't matter in the review part the rating part we need the five stars but the review part say whatever you want right say whatever you want just go ahead and say whatever you want right but just give us a five star and that and that'll be great and then uh yeah we'll do it we'll donate some money to charity so we'll uh we'll we'll follow up every month and we'll uh we'll send in the donation and, and we'll let the folks know how much we've, we've donated we'll tweet yeah. that out and so forth so please 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 rate and review and obviously listen that's that's kind right. of important too and follow us on twitter at bruins benders check out our polls that we'll have each week and also you know we'll, we'll throw a little a little seven chirps you can send in a question to us and we'll banter about it on the next episode and that would be fun as well we appreciate everyone listening to the bruins benders podcast you can catch us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, radio spotify anywhere that you listen to podcasts and we hope everybody has a great week go bruins thanks a lot bye